Welcome. This is the Woodbury Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We're glad that you tuned in, and if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out all the information at woodburychurch.org. Or we'll see you some Sunday, Sundays at 10 a.m. Looking forward to it. When I was working at a church in Iowa, I got asked to do a funeral for a member of a different church, which isn't necessarily unusual, but this guy was like a solid member of that church. I didn't know the family at all, and it was a little strange that they were asking this guy from another church to do his funeral after he'd been going to this one congregation for, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. So I showed up at the house where the family had gathered to grieve and be together and, you know, share stories because I wanted to ask them who was this guy that I'm going to be doing a funeral service for. I just wanted to know him, wanted to know a little bit about him. I walk in and there is just this hostility in the room. It was strange. And it wasn't like the family didn't get along. They were angry at me and I had just shown up. I didn't know any of these people. I walk in and I'm like, something Something is happening here, and I have no idea what it is. And finally, one of the sons of the grandfather, this pillar of the church community, he looks at me and kind of aggressively says, how much is this funeral going to set us back? And I'm like, what? I mean, do you mean like how much does it cost? And I have no idea. I don't do, I never, it's not, and this is exactly how I was answering them. I'm like, I, I don't know. And uh, come to find out, it took a little while, but come to find out that they had called their minister when grandpa was on his deathbed in the hospital and he was fading. The family had gathered around. They had called up their minister and said, please, would you come? Would you be with us? Would you pray for us? Their minister, their preacher, their pastor said, no, I cannot come. I'm playing paintball right now. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I felt too. And I was trying to apologize on behalf of all ministers everywhere. I'm sorry, I'm here. You know, I'm not playing paintball, I'm here. And, uh, and they said, but that, that wasn't even the worst thing that had happened to them with regard to their father passing, grandfather passing in this church. What they said was just a few days after his passing, they got a statement from the church in the mail for I guess the only thing you could describe it as past due tithe that this guy had not been able to give over the course of the year. I don't even know how you send out a statement like that. I don't know how you feel good about sending out a statement like that. Now I know why this family was so upset and they were upset at all ministers and all churches everywhere. And they said something that I have heard as a criticism for my entire ministry career. Churches just want your money. We're starting a new series. <laughs> and the series is called A Radically Generous Heart. People hear generosity and they think money. At least I think that you think money. In fact, I spent a lot of time at my kitchen table trying to workshop a good title for this sermon series so I wouldn't freak everybody out when I got up here and I said, we're going to talk about generosity. And everybody would be like, oh, great. You just want my money. Churches just want money. And so much more than money. Not less than money, more than money. You can see I was starting to get a little panicked. And so my wife very helpfully suggested a few sermon series titles. Here's one. Give us all your money. <laughs> That was, that was her idea, so thank you very much. That wasn't very helpful. I was talking about this with church staff, and one of the staff members suggested this title as a sermon series. More money, more problems. Let us help you out with your problems by giving us more money, right? I don't think those are going to work. But that's not really what this is about. We're trying to talk about generosity. And so what I want to do is I want you to understand that 
Financial generosity is a piece of generosity, but it's a piece of a much larger picture that we're trying to paint about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think the three words that we settled on, radically generous heart, capture that idea of what it means to be generous. Because this is something that we want. This is something you want for your children. These are the kind of people that you want to be around. And it is about money, but it's more than that. It's so much more than money. Now, some of you are like, okay, Patrick, how isn't this just a the church wants your money sermon? Because we've all seen it. We've all seen late night cable news, guys and gals with big hairsprayed hairdos, and they're asking for money, and they'll take credit cards, and they're trying to fund their second private jet. When you're like, ah, I think that is about the money. So I've seen churches where that's true, but I have never been a part of a church where I thought that was, that was true. I've never had a private jet. And I'm not trying, this is not about sympathy. I've never driven a new car. Like, that's not what it's about. That's never been what it's about. We're not trying to, to swindle people here. We're not trying to scam people here. But let me confess, I have so wanted not to give people the impression that it's about money, that in 16 years of preaching here, I have never preached about financial giving or financial generosity. And that's actually not okay. Because that's a part of what it means to be a disciple, to be generous-hearted people. And to not have done that for 16 years is not a positive thing. It's a negative thing. But I want to focus on that criticism because it's interesting when people say that. Nobody, I've never heard anybody say anything like, oh, you're going to preach about God's forgiveness? Ugh, that church just wants everybody to think God forgives them. It's awful. It's terrible. Oh, you're going to preach about morality. Oh, that church just wants everybody to be better people. How terrible. But somehow, when you begin to talk about generosity or begin to talk about money, people are like, hey, now, hey, watch out. Now it's getting serious. And I think the fact that people realize that their generosity and their wallet and their spending habits and how they're associated with what they think about God, I think they are keying in on something that Jesus said without even thinking about it. Because when Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, I think he was recognizing a tendency in the human heart to separate so much of our Christianity from how we are or are not generous. So let me, let me say this on the outside. Our church family is super generous, by the way, super generous. If you've ever been the recipient of a meal train, have you ever been on the receiving end of that? It's crazy because you've got more food than you can put in your fridge. Last year, we had the highest Mission Sunday offering that we have ever had, like ever in the history of the church, ever. That's pretty good because people are generous. This happens all the time to me. I'll be working in my office. Usually there's other people here, but every once in a while it's just me in the office and I'm at my desk and I'll hear like a noise. Now, I'm telling you, this building is a wonderful resource. But this building is super duper creepy if you're here by yourself, <laughs> especially when the lights are off. There's just something when there are not a lot of people in the room. So I'll hear a noise and I'll be like, hmm, the coffee maker sometimes makes noise. Maybe it was the coffee maker. Oh, just focus, Patrick. And then I'll hear another noise. And I'm like, hmm, that sounded like the door. Uh, I don't, okay. All right. So I'll walk out into the hallway. Hello? Get nothing. And then I'll usually grab something as a sort of weapon. And I'll just be walking around, looking in like classrooms. Hello? Nothing. 
You know, and the room's dark. What's going on? And finally, in some dark corner of the building or in some classroom, somebody's cleaning or organizing or putting away, and I'll come across somebody, and they'll be like, oh, hey, Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. My heart's racing a little. Uh, why are you holding your water bottle like that? Well, no, no reason. Don't worry about it. Just thought you were an axe murderer. I didn't know. But it's because there's people here giving up their time and, and energy and effort to, to do stuff. Stuff that you wouldn't even realize needs to be done. It's amazing. So there's so much generosity here. So the question for a lot of people is, well, hey, Patrick, if we're so good at generosity, why are we talking about it? We've nailed it, right? We've got it figured out. Well, here's the problem. <sighs> the problem is, is I am not good at generosity. That's kind of the big problem. It's, it's not an instinct. It's not a reflex. Uh, a few years ago, I don't remember which kid it was, but a few years ago, we were leaving the state fair, and I never have cash on me. Never, ever, ever have cash on me. Except we were going to the state fair, so I had cash on me. And as we were leaving, I hadn't spent all the cash on fried Twinkies, so we're walking out, and one of the kids sees a homeless person with a bucket and a sign saying, anything helps, and they turn to me and they say, Dad, can we give them some money? And I don't even think about it. My instinct is, of course not. I don't say that, because I don't want to seem unkind or ungracious, but my instinct is, of course not, but here's how I'm going to handle the situation. I realize that all I have in my pocket is a $20 bill. And so my plan is to pull the $20 bill out and say, see, all I've got is a 20. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking that's entirely too generous. So they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll give next time. So I pull the 20 out saying, all I got is a 20. And whichever kid it was, I don't know. They just say, say, perfect, and snatch it away and run over to the homeless person and give it to him, which is a much better thing to do. But it was just reflexively ungenerous or selfish. That's how, unfortunately, I'm wired. I don't know why I'm wired that way. So I want you to know that I'm exploring the topic of generosity as a naturally selfish person. So what you're not going to hear is me getting up here saying, oh, let me give you all these examples of how I have been so generous and how I've got this figured out. I, I want us. I want a healthier relationship with stuff and money. I want to be more generous. And I think we want to be more generous. I think most of us do. I think most of us would like a healthier relationship with our stuff and our money and our energy and our time and our attention. All that stuff that we sometimes like to hoard and use for ourselves. I think we want to be more generous. I think that's all of us. You know how when you research a certain, I don't know, kind of car, uh, you're thinking about buying a, well, in my case, a used car, you're thinking about buying a used car and you're like, oh, well, it's just good, good resale value and good, good mileage and stuff like that. Have you ever noticed that when you start to do that, you start to notice that car everywhere? You know what I'm talking about? It's the confirmation bias. So once I started thinking about what does generosity look like in Christianity and faith, I started realizing that it is everywhere through Scripture. These are just some of the words of Jesus, not everything that speaks of giving or generosity. These are just some of the words uh, of Jesus. If you spent two minutes with Jesus, you would hear him speak of generosity in some form. A lot of the passages we're familiar with, but a lot of them we don't think about. What he was talking about was generosity. Well, nobody complained that Jesus just wanted their money. Nobody thought like that. Jesus just wants your money. No, Jesus clearly didn't want their money. He wasn't driving around in a fancy car or a private jet. He didn't have a cable channel. He wasn't trying to sell books. He didn't even have a bank account. Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Because he knew. 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He knew that. He realized that that was true. Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And he realizes that your treasure is connected to your heart. See, the the human heart is inscrutable, right? You think you know yourself. You don't know yourself, right? You think you've got your internal motivations figured out. We don't. We're, We're still working on ourselves, trying to figure out why do we feel that way? Why do we react that way? Why are we wired that way? The human heart is this inscrutable thing. But Jesus taught that radical, meaning costly, and, and listen, he emphasized this, uncelebrated. You couldn't walk around saying, I'll be generous if you put a plaque on the wall telling everybody how generous I am. You couldn't walk around with trumpets. Did people hire trumpets when they gave? Maybe. But you couldn't, Jesus was like, that's not, it doesn't work that way. Because if you're celebrating your own generosity, well, then you've received the reward of generosity. All right, in the here and now, but there's a greater reward. Radical, uncelebrated generosity reveals and shapes the human heart. By the way, if you want a quick way to assess someone's character, ask yourself, is that person a generous person? So if you're dating somebody and you want to know, like, well, I want to know a little bit about their character. I want to know their heart. I want to know the inside. I don't want to know just what they present. I don't want to know the Instagram highlights. I don't want to know the social media stuff. I want to know about their heart. Ask yourself, is that a generous person? Because that will reveal a little bit about their heart. Your children, you want your children to be generous, right? You want them to be kind and caring and generous and open-hearted and open-handed. Because it's about character. It's about the heart. So we want to be generous. God wants to be generous. Let me tell you this story. Recently, Liam did something that I thought was really generous and kind. He gave up something that he thought was valuable to someone else because he thought it might make their day. And I thought that's just so kind and I wanna reinforce that characteristic in him so he won't be like me. And so he's laying in bed um, and I'm saying, buddy, that was so nice of you. That was really thoughtful of you to give that thing up for this other person. And I'm really proud of you for being so giving. And he gets this thoughtful look uh, and he says, and this is a direct quote, he says, yeah, giving stuff away is like tobacco. (laughs) Yeah, he knows what tobacco is. It's the stuff in cigarettes that you smoke. And I'm like looking at him with a confused look on my face and I'm like, what, what exactly do you mean? What, What do you know about tobacco? And he said, he said, well, you know, when you, when you do it, you want to do more of it. That's true. Yes, that is true. That's another way. It's like tobacco. I was like, buddy, are you trying to say like, it's, it's addictive. It feels good. And it's addictive. He's like, yeah, that's exactly right. So if you hear nothing else this morning, you can hear that giving stuff away is like tobacco. I just thought it was the greatest illustration. Anyway, point being, he's right. And he doesn't know it, but he's paraphrasing something that Jesus said that we have a quote of Jesus uh, saying in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in other words, the blessed kind of obscures the idea behind that word, but it makes you happier to give than to receive. And you know how happy it makes you to receive Well, then Jesus is saying, yeah, amplify that. That's what it feels like when you lose the tight-fisted connection with your stuff and your time and your energy. And it changes who you are and shapes your heart. 
That's so important. So important that we understand that. There's a, a really good book I'd recommend reading called The Paradox of Generosity by two social scientists. Uh, Christian Smith, who's a professor of social science. But I just want to read you a couple quotes from this book. This is, I think this is so valuable when it comes to rewiring the way we think about generosity. From this book, people rightly say money cannot buy happiness. But happiness and money are related in a curious way. Rather than leaving generous people on the short end of an unequal bargain, practices of generosity are actually likely to provide givers with essential goods in life. These essential goods in life are happiness, health, like physical health. Generous people are healthier. They go to the hospital less. They have to take fewer medications. And purpose, which time and money themselves cannot buy. Despite this, Americans fail to live generous lives. And this study was done just here in the States. Uh, so this may not be true in every country, I don't know. While many Americans are generous, more are not. And so when I highlight stories of generosity in church, you know what? Those stories of generosity actually come down to a few people who are so overwhelmingly generous that they make the rest of us look good. But it's really just a few people. More are not. And he goes on to say, are so deprived by their lack of generosity of the greater well-being that generous practices would afford them. In other words, if Jesus hadn't said it, science would have proven it to be true. But Jesus did say it 2,000 years before the scientists could. But I like this final little word I wanted to give you from this book. Uh, they write, what today's social science research tells us only confirms what we might have known all along had we trusted traditional religious teachers. They're just saying, we're not telling you anything new. This has actually been in the religious stuff for a long time, for a long time. Notice what Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 says. I hadn't noticed this before, but it says, store up for yourselves, not for other people. Store up for yourselves. You store up for yourselves by giving away. Store up for yourselves. Because often when we choose not to be generous, we think we're going to miss out. You know what I mean? We think, like, Oof, well, I, 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 had some, I had some plans for that $20 bill. It wasn't to, to give it to that person. We think we're going to miss out. And what we're discovering is that we are missing out when we hoard and when we keep and when we hold tightly to. By the way, I thought this was interesting. Miser and misery come from the same root word. Did you know that? Misers are miserable people. If you've ever thought, well, I'm not a miser, I'm thrifty. Well, if your thriftiness is reflective of a lack of generosity, you're probably not a fun person to <laughs> hang out with. Radical, uncelebrated generosity benefits the giver more than the recipient. Or in other words, giving is like tobacco, I guess. So here's the question for us. We know we want to be generous, whether it's financial or otherwise. We know God wants us to be generous. We know generosity is good for us. So why do we struggle with being generous people? Why do we struggle with that? Because think of all the excuses that we have right in the moment. I, I have all these. These are all mine. But the excuses are, what's $20 going to do? It's not really going to solve that guy's problem. Or it's not... You know, I need money. I should be the recipient of generosity. Generosity is for people who have more and have plenty to share. All of those things are ways of saying, I don't have enough to be generous. I don't have enough to be generous. Because we operate from scarcity. 
We think that there's just so much pie to go around and I better take the biggest slice I possibly can because that's all there is. Jesus operated from abundance. He lived as if he thought there was just an endless supply, as if there was a good God who was a giver of good gifts and who would take care of his every need. And he was free to give away his time and his energy and his attention and whatever little tiny resources he had because he believed in abundance. I believe in scarcity, which is a reflection of what I believe about God. My generosity is a reflection of what I believe about the giver of all good things. That's tough. We operate from scarcity. God is a God of abundance. But here's the cool thing. God does love to give to generous people. I think about this story all the time. I think it was just a really good lesson somebody instilled on me. I don't even know who did this. Um, But I was at church, and we were doing a special kids offering. You know how the kids are so excited to run up here, drop their money in, and go off. But uh, we did this one-time kids offering thing at our church. And so I had gathered up some coins that I had had laying around my room. And I probably had like 37 cents. You know, I probably had a quarter and a couple nickels, a couple pennies. And I have them right there on my pew next to me. And I'm sitting there, and we're going through all the boring church stuff. Can we get to the point where I get to give some money, and then I get to go to class? Like, that's all I'm waiting for. I'm probably six or seven at the time. I glance down at my money, my little stack of money every once in a while. One time I glance down there, and I'm like, that looks like more money than I thought I had. That's weird. You know, I thought I had like 37, 38 cents, and it looks like there's like, there's like over 50 cents there. Now, I'm not a math guy, so I just assumed I was counting wrong. And so I went back to whatever we were doing. And I looked down again and I'm like, now that's definitely more money than I had there. There's multiple quarters there and I know I did not have multiple quarters. I'm like, that, what, is, what is happening? What is, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. And now, so I'm trying to watch the pile out of the corner of my eye. Because I've noticed when I stare directly at it, it doesn't grow. But if I look away, it does. But I want to kind of try to do both. So like, what's happening here? I I don't see anything. I look down again, and there are dollar bills in that pile. Dollar bills. Do you know what dollar bills are to like a six or seven-year-old in the 80s? I mean, I might as well have been a millionaire. I've never seen that kind of money. That will give me multiple Happy Meals. That is a lot of money for a little kid. And I'm like, what is happening? Is this a miracle? Here, finally, I discover, because I caught him. There was a guy, he was over my left shoulder, which really got me, but there was a guy who was leaning over and every time I was looking away, he was dropping in extra coins into my little pile so that when I give, I would be able to give more. I think that's such a good visual, such a good lesson that we do serve a God that wants to redistribute his wealth through us. He wants to bless us to be generous. But I know that God can't, he can't trust Patrick. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Patrick. God can't trust Patrick right now because I have not learned to let go of that greed and selfishness in my heart that I need to change. And so God's not dropping dollar bills in my little offering pile. But God loves to give to generous people. Because it reflects a change in posture of our hearts. Where are our hearts? Where your treasure is, there your hearts are also. And so here's my challenge, such as it is, is that we flex that generosity muscle this week. You know, just give it, you might have to dust it off. 
It might have atrophied a little bit. You might have to, you know, get the blood flowing again, but to flex that generosity muscle, and it can be something small. I mean, it can be something just so minor that you think, like, what would that matter? It would matter not because of how it benefits the person you're giving it to, because of how it benefits you. So do something like buy someone a coffee. Or take someone out to eat and pay for their meal. Or next Sunday when those kids are racing up to drop their money in, give them some money to drop in. Or whatever it will that will help you realize that these resources are a blessing from God and you can share them freely. Whatever it will, will take to do that. Or, or maybe just this. Maybe you could just sit right there and you can say, okay, I am not going to talk myself out of the next opportunity. Whatever it is. That could be dangerous, right? But I commit to being generous at the next opportunity there is, no matter what it is. Oof, that might be a tough one. See what happens. See what happens. God loves the cheerful, generous, open-hearted person. And he loves to bless that person. And I'm going to bet that you won't even notice it in your bank account. You won't even notice it in your time if you've been giving it away. I don't know how God does it, but he just seems to multiply the time and energy that generous people have when they give away their time and energy. It's amazing because we serve a God that loves to give to generous people. 